My name is Justin Lore. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 126 of Horror Business. Horror Business. Now, rumors of my demise uh, have been greatly exaggerated. I think greatly, of, greatly is doing a lot of work there. I don't know if it's greatly exaggerated. Uh, Le- rumors of Liam's demise are maybe not so, because he, <laughs> he is apparently uh, camping out at death's door. I'm still a little sick. I'm I'm way better than I was, but there will be times where you might hear me coughing, and I apologize for that in advance. So, just a heads <sighs> up, this was supposed to be part of our spooky month in October uh, episodes, but Liam has severe bronchitis, and I was, uh, I came, I find the fucking, the Rona caught up with me. 2020, the bastard child of 2020 finally got me and i i had covid for like i was covid 19 positive so we were down for the count and then i was away for pleasure for a week out in out in utah which is doing great. doing things you know no arguably no person should do like camping out at skinwalker ranch running around naked on the bonneville salt flats and a bunch of other shit i mean it's been a series of disasters like you got covid and then josh got covid and then um, right when I was starting to get a little bit better from bronchitis, my wife got COVID. And so, like, I had to, you know, I had to take Susan, uh, you know, quarantine her in a room. So then I was on solo parent duty for, like, six days while she got better. And uh, and I still had bronchitis. Like, I was still coughing my brains out while I'm doing the whole, like, single dad thing and testing every day to make sure me and Maeve didn't get COVID, which yeah. good news, y'all, we didn't get COVID. So when, you know, you usually ask me what, what did I do horror? I'll just go ahead and say now the past month has been pretty horror, horror inducing in and of itself. Though I will say uh, Halloween was still pretty nice, even though I was too sick to actually go trick or treating. I went for like one block with them and I was coughing so hard. I was like, I'm just going to go back and hand out candy. So I just drank, I made a huge thing of tea and handed out candy. That was also nice. Though I will say, um, you know, I, I appreciate the variety of costumes, except for the kid who was like, there was a kid who just had a full, like, kid size army outfit that looked like legit, man. Like, flak jacket. And mm. I mean, his gun didn't look real. But, like, that's what was weird, right? Like, you think of all the things that you could get that looks somewhat realistic, it'd be your your gun. But, you know, his parents are smart enough not to give him a realistic-looking M16. But his outfit, man, I didn't know they made kids' costumes that real. Because it's not like this was, like, a 17-year-old who's in, you know, whatever it is, ROTC or whatever it is. No, no, no. This was a 10-year-old who had a perfectly fitted army outfit that you would think he was in a kid army. It was... Like, you know, I try not to be judgy, but that kid came up and I was like, fuck it, fuck, fuck. Like, it just was weird, man. It just was weird. Maybe other people don't think that's weird. But when well, I see... He, he, here's the thing. Yeah. I think it's okay for kids to dress up like that on Halloween, because at least it's Halloween and they have an excuse. Sure. But uh, 
you know, there are adults who dress up like that and right. have actual guns and fuck those people. Right. No. And I, I think it was the realism of it. It's not that someone was dressed up as a soldier because whatever. I, I don't I, I don't prefer that as a costume, but, you know, you do you. It was so fucking realistic, man. It really yeah. freaked me out. And it made me think like, yo, man, is this like your hunting outfit with your dad? Like, what the fuck is happening right now? It was very strange. It was very strange. Yeah. So we're going to be. Oh, also for clarification, I don't mean soldiers. I mean, nerd jerk off suburban Kyles. Right. You're, you're talking about like. uh you know, uh, p- Patriot pride types. Yeah. Fucking, uh, what are they called? Not, not the, um, that's eh, not important. Assholes basically. So today we're going to be talking about, uh, <coughs> two films that aren't really connected in any way. Um, I bo- they my both, tr- they both, uh, they both happen around Halloween though. Right. I think distra- Okay. Maybe strange behavior doesn't, but it's very fall. Yeah. Strange behavior is just like vague autumn. You know, no, no, no. Like, they go to a costume party. I think both these are both Halloween movies. Oh, uh, you know what? They never say Halloween, but they do go to a costume party. So I'm going to say it's yeah. Halloween. I know, I know, I know for a fact, Cemetery of Terror is a, is a Halloween movie. But the second one, you know what? Fuck it. We're doing Cemetery of Terror, starring um hard business favorite Hugo Stieglitz and 1981's uh, Strange Behavior, also known as Dead Kids which is a film I'd never heard of until it fucking popped up on all places on the Criterion channel. Because if you guys, for you guys who have Criterion out there, you know that, like, they had a banging selection for October, like an amazing, uh, like, 80s horror program, and this was one of them. Um, Just, a, I watched so many movies. I had, well, I mean, it's kind of on me that I'd never heard of White of the Eye before, but I had never heard of it until I saw it on there. Fucking great. Uh, they had another Australian one on there. Next of Kin, that was fucking unbelievable nightmare film. They just, it was an unbelievable selection. And, you know, that's just the 80s selection. If you just go to Criterion and just look up, like, genre, like all their horror films, they, of course, have a bunch of crazy stuff. Like, they had a whole vampire thing. They had a whole kaiju selection. They have a bunch of stuff that maybe you've never heard of that is really interesting. So I just, you know, I I try not to be too hype on the Criterion Collection because I have some criticism too, but at least that channel had some awesome horror options this season. Yeah, it was pretty dope, and I'm I'm glad they did it. Uh, But before we talk about these two films, we would like to thank a couple people, starting with our beautiful, lovely, perfect patrons over at patreon.com backslash cinepunks. Now, like I've said thousands of times, and like I will say again a thousand times, money's not real. It's fucking made up. If we all decided that tin was more valuable than gold tomorrow, guess what? Tin is more valuable than gold. Um, that being said, unfortunately, a lot of people in the world do think money's real. So uh, running, a, running a website, running a podcast network, that comes with costs. We don't seek to gain money. Wait, no, I could say that better. We don't seek to gain fortune from this. It would be nice, but it's not our intent. However, losing money kind of sucks. So every little bit helps from you guys. Um, If you want to give $1, if you want to give $5, if you want to give $20, if you want to give us your firstborn child so we can raise them to be an elitist fucking asshole like we are, don't do that. Liam's a good dad. I am not a good parental figure. I'm a terrible influence. but if you want to go to patreon.com backslash in the bunks and you just hit that fucking subscribe <coughs> button, I swear upon Jehoshaphat and Moab and 
those three guys that the Beastie Boys wrote a song about that fucking danced in the furnace and pissed off the Romans. Whoever they were, was it the Romans or the Babylonians? You know who I'm talking about, right, Liam? Mm. Shadrach? Uh, Babylonians, not the Romans. Not the Romans, okay. So it's like Shadrach, Ahab. Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, they're just getting down in the furnace. I swear upon those guys. You, we have cool Patreon-exclusive shit. So head on down to patreon.com backslash cinepunks and smash that MFN fucking subscribe button for, you know, to help the homies out because that's what life's all about. You got to help the homies. You got to. I feel that. I think that I think that is. uh, And for the reality is. That support not only allows us to continue, but if we can grow it, if you're someone out there who hasn't pledged to the Patreon, um, it it. It allows us the opportunity to grow because we want to get to a point where we're compensating people and we need money to do that. So if you can be a part of that, we really appreciate it. Uh, Of course, we also want to thank our friends over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, I say our friends because I just want to be vague and I don't want to specifically say Chris Reject, who like he's responsible for LVAC, but he's also a pain in our butt. So we don't want to thank him specifically, but like we're kind of thanking him, too, a little bit, I guess. Vaguely. Vaguely. In a very roundabout way. I don't even like saying his fucking name. I haven't said his mm-hmm. name yet, if you've noticed. He sickens me. I, I don't know if I would say sicken. But no, I, I would. I am. I'm saying it. He makes, me, he makes me physically ill when I think about him. He's, that certainly, being, he's certainly a pain in the butt. Yes. Now, that being said, he may be, he may be vomit-inducing. He may be repulsive to look upon. But the man makes a good product. You can't, you can't go wrong with, with Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations t-shirts, koozies, jester hats, Dr. Seuss hats, butt flaps, capes of all sorts, cloaks, um, tunics, I don't know, whatever else fucking weirdos wear. If you need a t-shirt for your band, for your podcast, for your skateboarding company, for your... I don't know, video production company, you can head to www.xlvacx.com for more information because Chris Reject will not just give you a good deal. Chris Reject will give you so good a deal, it will harm him financially. Yes, yes, it will. And sending you business, while it will please him in the, in the short run, in the long run, by us encouraging you to work with him, in the long run, it will lead to his demise because he yes. will eventually work himself to death. And that's what we want. So the world, please the world bring him a, business. Yes, the world will be a better place without him. And we need to hasten his exit. Uh, from this has gotten so dark. I can't. I can't with that. Whatever. Whatever. So d- head to www.xlvacx.com for a quality product that will help make this world cleaner with no Chris Reject. You know what? Who what we have nothing negative to say about. Our friend Aaron Dahlbeck over at EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Great dude. Look, here's the reality. Not only is he great, but his coffee's great. And that's what matters. He's got great coffee. Uh, he'll talk you through the varieties there. He'll help you understand what the what the flavors are. And he'll even give you advice on how to best brew that coffee at home to get the best experience. Why? Because he wants to give you high-quality beans, roast it to order, and take away some of the mystery 
around a good cup of coffee. He's also got tea, uh, amazing tea over there. He's got merch, uh, and he does a lot of tie-ins with uh, music artists and charities. So check it out, sxcoffeeroasters.com. After you put in your order, you're going to get some coffee. You're going to get some T-shirts. You're probably going to get some tea as well. You're going to, on your way out, put in the code C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. It's going to give you 10% off your that's order. That's Cinepunks in case you were wondering. Cinepunks! Yeah, that's, that's fucking us. That's, that's helping us. us out. You're helping us out when you do that. And of course, this episode was edited by our friend Sharky over at mechanicalsharkmedia.com. Uh, Justin, what kind of stuff does Sharky do? Literally everything. <laughs> if you want to make a Phil Tibbetts-style stop-motion film, film yeah. Yeah. Sharky will help you with that. Yeah. If you want to make a YouTube video about how your college roommate's wedding was a fucking false flag psyop, <laughs> which I thought about making one. I'll be honest, John Van Dyne, what's up? I'm just looking at you. So when I make when I make it, I appreciate I John, I know you're not listening to this, but I know you have friends who listen to this. I appreciate the thank you card that you sent me for going to your wedding. Tell Christine I'm thankful as well. But I'm absolutely gonna make a video one day where I claim that you are not who you say you are. And in fact, your entire wedding was a satanic ritual to kill Jesus. Wow. And when I do that, when, not if, when I do that, I'm going to do it with Sharky. And he's going to walk me through the process and it's going to be fucking fantastic. So if you're a fucking weird troll person like me and you want to make weird shit about your friends who have been nothing but kind to you, you can head to mechanicalsharkmedia.com and he'll just, he'll do whatever because he's, he's a solid dude and he loves saves the day. He fucking stop, loves. stop. He loves saves the day so much. Uh, yeah. So video uh, recording, editing, mastering, live streaming, audio recording, editing, mastering, uh, podcast studio. He's building. My man does everything. Puppetry. He's got you covered. So mechanicalsharkmedia.com. You can also find his studio, uh, Bigger Boat Studios, uh, on social media as well. Check them out and just, you know, give Sharky your business. So that's all the people have to thank. Now, I think you, you wanted to ask me something. I have a burning question. Oh, Jesus. What is it? In my heart. In your, I like that it's in your heart. It could possibly also be, you know, early onset heart failure. I'm not sure. Now, as I, hang on a second. Give me just uno momento. I have a question. As yes. I, <laughs> I am a psychiatrist. Okay. Uh-oh. I'm a psychiatrist in an asylum and there's a murderer who's dead, but I'm afraid that he's going to come back to the, to the to life through the fucking undying power of Satan. And as I go to the hospital to tell them, burn that body, burn it. I look at Liam who's sitting in the cafeteria for some reason. And I say, Liam, before I myself become possessed by this satanic serial killer, I must ask you, what have you done involving Har recently? Okay. So let me start with now, to be fair, as we explained at the beginning, it's been a long time since we recorded. So I've watched a ton of stuff, especially in October. Uh, but since October, it's it's slowed down a little bit. But one of the things I did watch that I wanted to make sure we talked about was that new film, Resurrection, that's mm-hmm. on Shudder. It also played a lot of different um, festivals and stuff. Uh, it's got Tim Roth in it. But I also wanted to talk about the other, sort of the main uh, person. in it. What is her trying to find it she was in she's great she's in the night house and rebecca iron hall. man 3 yeah rebecca yeah, yeah. hall rebecca hall is awesome and she's been in a few like interesting uh scary movies in the last 
decade that I think are pretty good, as well as a bunch of other stuff. It's not, she doesn't only do horror, but this movie is, it is an intense mind fuck of a film. Yes. Like that's just what it is. And I, and, um, I think because it's so visceral and real, uh, but it also has an element of irreality. Is this happening the way that we're experiencing it, or is this in her mind, right? And then it takes a turn that I don't even want to describe what kind of turn it is, because I think that would be a spoiler. Yeah, literally, there is, a, there is an adjective we could use to describe it, but it would immediately give it away. Right. So we're not, I'm not going to say anything. And I don't I, know that everyone who saw this movie has been on board for where it ends up. And I've actually read some really glowing reviews and I've read some really negative reviews. So I will say that if you are someone for whom a logical resolution is an essential element of your movie watching, this might not be for you. I'll just yeah, put maybe, that maybe out there. skip this one. Yeah. But if you can follow uh, when a movie makes bold, possibly challenging choices and also is deep in the anxiety pocket. This is a fucking anxiety inducing movie. And especially for uh, friends like my friend Justin here who have anxieties about mental health, because as much as this is about danger, right. And a threat, it's also about possibly losing your mind a little bit. Oh yeah. And it's horrifying. It is a truly upsetting film. I was unhappy while watching it, but in the sort of way that I appreciate it afterwards. And uh, I, yeah, I, for a certain kind of person, I cannot recommend it enough, but I know there are going to be people who see it and are annoyed, you know, that it just doesn't work for them. And that's fine. Uh, I think the filmmaking is high quality enough that even if you end up hating how it wraps up, you'll still appreciate the rest of the movie. But I just know that (coughs) having read a few reviews now, not everyone is okay with how the movie wraps up. And some people felt that it ruined the whole experience. And that was certainly not my experience. I've seen people say that it comes off as being weird for the sake of being weird. I disagree, but disagree. I, underst- I, I understand where that sentiment comes from. Sure. Like, but I, I, I think we're at a point, though, where everyone... I, I hear that a lot about a lot of movies. Oh, it's just weird. And it's like, I don't know. That's, it just, it's become a blanket criticism of creativity that bums me out. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah. I think, I, I think saying it's... Uh, I think a lot of times people who say shit like it's weird for the sake of being weird, I think that's a very lazy criticism because it's like... Well, you don't know what the filmmaker's intentions were and what was so weird about it that came off as it's, it's a very hard thing to describe. Like I, I can call something pretentious and I can I can call something like illogical or not not illogical. Let's just stick with pretentious. I can call something pretentious. But to say something is weird for the sake of being weird. It's just kind of like. I don't know, like ex- ex- explain that for me, like it, it, what was so uh, unjustifiably weird about that? I think this movie is um, the tw- not the tw- I don't want to say the twist. I should say some of the developments later on in the film definitely felt like something that like you could almost feel the gears turning or see the gears turning in like Rebecca Hall's head where she's like, "Is this actually happening right now?" 
Are this is this person right. saying what I think they're saying? Right. Am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Um, there's nothing artsy or not artsy. There's nothing like uh stupidly weird about that. That's how someone struggling with a mental health would, you know, someone who is with it enough to understand that what they're seeing is not real, but but kind of gone enough where they're like, okay, but maybe. Right. And that yes. you know, that that's a terrifying gray area. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I also just feel like, just say it didn't work for you. You know, just say, like, I, I didn't follow, not didn't follow, like, didn't understand, though I do suspect some people maybe didn't understand. Yeah. But but it doesn't have to be about that. You don't have to feel bad. But you could just say, like, you know, the movie went somewhere, and I didn't go with it. Like, I just felt like it, yep. it went somewhere, and, and I didn't think it needed to go there. That's fine. That's fair. But, like, uh, whatever. I, I, I'm not going to get too far into it, because... Uh, let let me let me uh get all whatever about this and then and then feel like um and then make the same in fact yeah i'll do that right now i'll I'll be a hypocrite right in this very moment the other movie i wanted to talk about was uh all jacked up and full of worms okay a movie, that, another movie i've seen uh, now i would say that is a movie actually that is uh weird for the sake of being weird funny enough that's not what I didn't like about it. In fact, uh, you could bring up other movies that I think are doing the same similar things like uh, The Greasy Strangler, right? Uh, and some of those I really like. For me, All Jacked Up and Full of Worms only doesn't work, not because I think it's being weird for no reason. It doesn't work because I didn't think it was funny. I think if no. I found it funny, I would be on board with it. And the crowd I saw it with, most of the people around me thought it was fucking hilarious. They were losing their shit at how Dumb. goddamn funny this movie was and you know now granted that was also the night i got sick like literally i was i had a slight cough that whole week and then i went to this movie that friday night i think that was the 21st maybe and uh and then on the way home i started really coughing and then by that morning i was sick as hell so maybe i just wasn't in a place to appreciate it but really it just didn't work for me it just never reached the level of absurdity where I was finding it funny in its absurdity. Now, I think there were some cool decisions made. Like, I, I don't think it's a dumb movie in the sense, even though I do think it's being weird to be weird in some ways, that's fine. That's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that in and of itself. Um, and there were some absurd decisions made that I thought like, oh, that's smart. I, I get that. There's, that's witty. But it never made me fucking laugh, man. And if I'm not laughing and it's not scary... And I'm certainly not scandalized. I mean, maybe it would have been different too if I was like scandalized by it, you know? But uh, you know, there's yeah. a there's a character who purchases something that is awful, and then he has a lot of moments with that awful thing. And people thought that was the funniest fucking shit, or they were shocked. And I was I didn't think it was funny, nor was I shocked. So therefore, why am I watching this thing? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like if it doesn't work for you on either of those levels, it just doesn't work. That being said, there are going to be people who love this movie. Like, I think that movie is going to become, if it's like distributed right and is available for people to see, I think it will become a cult movie for some people. But just, it wasn't there for me, man. Didn't work for me. And I was bummed because I really was excited to see it. The guy who made it's from Chicago. There were a bunch of people at the screening who were a part of making the movie. It's, you know, it was like a hometown hero event. And I just wasn't on board. So, you know, it, you win some, you lose some, you know, resurrection. I was in all jacked up and full of worms. I was out. Uh, otherwise, the only other horror thing I wanted to bring up was uh, 
Cabinet of Curiosities. I watched it with Suze. Uh, and I think people who listen to the show know that if I say I watched it with Suze, that means it's probably not that scary. Uh, <laughs> yes. Now, there were a couple that were tough for Suze. So I will say, you know, if you are worried about if any of them are scary, I think I think the autopsy was pretty scary. You know, um, I kind of think uh, the, the last one, I forget what it was called. The, the one by the woman who made the Babadook. I forget what that one was called. Uh, I thought that one was, had some scary moments. Uh, but a lot of them are not that scary. Uh, I was still amused. I was amused by all of them. Though I do think the quality is more with some than with others. Uh, all of them I had fun watching. It's just some of them felt like short films that I'd like to see at a film fest. And some of them just felt like TV. And the reality is... My bar is a little lower for TV, guys. It just is what it is. Like, I'm watching it. I don't think it sucks. I'm having fun. But, like, if I had paid money to see it in a theater, I would have been annoyed. You know, but it is what it is. What did you think? You saw, you watched it, right? What did you think? I haven't yet, no. Oh, man. Okay. I'm excited to hear what you think. I think some of them you're going to love. I wonder if some of them you're going to be really bummed on, you know, just because they're, I, I found them like, you know, were you a, uh, were you a, uh, Tales from the Crypt Watcher back in the day? Uh, my dad was. Okay, um, okay. So I guess kind of by default I was. Um, I don't really... <laughs> very famously, I, 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 I remember more so there is a specific... <laughs> I actually think I talked about it on the podcast and I fucking lost it talking about it. The I don't want to talk... Master, Masters of Horror, the one... No, no, like... I was... I was going to say, uh, there's an opening sequence in one of the episodes of Tales from the Crypt. The Crypt Keeper is a stand-up comedian. Yes. All the, yes, all, yes oh, my yes. God. That's what I, that's what I, like, that. Okay, that you need over, to calm down. I know, I know. I'm fucking, I could feel it slipping away. That overshadows, that overshadows, <clears throat> that overshadows uh, the actual content of Tales from the Crypt. There's nothing in Cabinet of Curiosity that's as uh hu- there's a certain humor to a lot of Tales from the Crypt. That's not yes. necessarily in there. And there's nothing really as raunchy. You know, all the Tales from the Crypt were kind of raunchy. And yeah. uh this is not that. However, a few of the Tales from the Crypt were like horror in the broad sense that they were on Tales from the Crypt and they had horrific themes, right? But they were not scary. Really at all, you know, and there's a few of the cabinet curiosity that like that. I think the one thing that might bum you out is there's a number of them that are adapted from Lovecraft and they are dreams of the witch house. I want to watch that because that story is fucking horrifying. Yeah, that they are loose adaptations at best. They are. I think it'd be better to say they were inspired by Lovecraft as opposed ah, to adapted from Lovecraft. Uh, but, you know, I'm not an expert. So you, you let me know. You watch it and you let me know because I think you know more than me. So that's it for me, though. Those those are my three things. How about you, bud? Uh, I don't want to get too far into what I've done. Um, I watched a little film called Slashback. I wasn't nuts about it, unfortunately, because I really wanted to like it, but I didn't. Sure. Um, I thought VHS 99 was. Oh, yeah, I watched that, too. Uh, I kind of liked it. Um, I do like the fact that it, it, it this much like the last the last one, Hail Ratma, had a kind of like mascot. Um, I do love that this one also had Mabel, like the kind of weird waif in hell. There was something about her that was like so weirdly charming 
right. that I was like, this doesn't really make any sense, but I'm, I'm here. Like, I, I don't know. I, I like those movies. Um, the only thing I didn't like about this one is that they didn't try to have a wraparound story. And I thought that was kind of like a, like a cop out. I didn't really like that. See, that didn't, bo- that didn't bother me too much. Um, I will say it's not as strong as the last one, which is not a, you know, a, a strong judgment. Uh, and I, and I overall had fun with it. But when people are a little bummed because they like the last one better, I don't, I don't think they're wrong. I think um, well, well, I don't well, I didn't hate any part of it per se. There weren't for me as strong of entries, whereas the last one had a couple that were just like unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was yeah. not there was for me nothing in this one that I thought that's amazing. You know, like it, it oh, just yeah, wasn't no. there. I'll go to bat and say like. Overall. <laughs> Like as a whole, not all the VHS entries are like fantastic, but they all have at least one segment that is like, oh my god! See, I don't feel that way about one and three. I really don't really like either one of them. No, two I love. Uh, one I think is kind of overrated. Like I don't really know why people love it so much. I didn't hate it, but nothing really stuck with me. I kind of thought three was pretty bad, but it's been a while since I've seen it. So maybe, maybe I would think different. I think, I, I think th- three is worth it for the, um, Aaron Moore had Justin Benson segment alone. Oh, I forget what they did. I do. Love uh, they, they did the bone storm one, with the skateboarders fighting the zombies. I thought, oh, I just, yeah, that was okay. That, okay, that segment's yeah. fucking amazing. Um, <coughs> no, I mean, I, I, I thought, I thought VHS 99 was pretty cool. Um, I finally watched Layer of the White Worm and loved it. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. I love yeah. Ken Russell, man. I just He's love great. Him. He's fantastic. Um, I watched a little film on Netflix called Hellhole that I will strongly, strongly suggest if you like weird, spooky, you know, quasi-satanic. That kind of, that, that brand of Satanism that's like, sure, these guys are like singing praises to quote-unquote Satan, but it comes off as far more like primitive yeah, sure, 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 sure. You know, it's just like vaguely like, you know, how like the gate, they're like, sure, it's the devil, but it's actually like just like weird ancient God. Yeah. Um, I watched Mr. Harrigan's phone on Netflix, a very tender story, which was nice. Um, watched a film called The Changed, which was not good, and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, I watched Run, Sweetheart, Run, which I fucking adored. Yeah, Everyone need- I heard mixed things about it. I mean, it's the, it, the end is a little like it, the end gets a little like um, kind of like what 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 do you mean? Like what what is that doesn't no don't do that. But there's a scene involving a dog that you think is gonna go in a very bad direction, but then it just fucking turfs out so hard, and it's okay. so cool okay. and it's so like adorable. Um. I watched a film called Next Exit. Um, oh, I've been meaning to watch that. Oh actually. my god, in heaven! I don't. I, it's definitely a horror film because the implications of it are horrific. But it's more like a road trip movie. Sure. Yeah. And it has a lot of really neat. Um. It gets in the very like. Um, I don't want to say sticky territory because that kind of has like bad implications. But it has a lot of like it it really digs into the into the the concept of like suicidal behavior, right to die, life after death, um religious views of suicide. Um and it was just a great movie. Like it was 
um, two frequent Mike Flanagan collaborators, Kitty Parker, who I love and will die for. Um, if you're listening to this, I'm still single, Katie. It's fine. You know, you can, I know we'll find each other someday. Um, and then the, he's like a British, I believe, Pakistani actor. He was on The Haunting of Bly Manor and he played the sheriff in uh, oh, Midnight yes. Mass. Yes, 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 yes. Dude, the, the fucking perform the performances in this movie, it's like, that guy can do like lovable oaf so well. And it's like, he is such an insanely talented actor. And this, like, this film really only confirms what, like, I kind of already knew just because, like, my grandfather and I are actually rewatching Midnight Mass right now. And, like, for those of you who've watched it, we just ended the last episode we watched was the, Liam, you watched that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the church kind of like we, when the angel comes into the church and, you know, that happens. That was the last episode we watched. And it's like, he does such a fucking fantastic job of not just a man who is like in anguish over his like faith and questioning his faith, but also like, you know, as a father seeing his son being like taken away from him. Um, and he's just as good. He's just as good in final in, in, in next exit. It's just, I've, I think it's on voodoo. It's like three or $4. It's absolutely worth it. That movie is easily in my top 10 for the year genre you know, film and otherwise. Um, I watched a movie on Paramount Plus called Significant Other. Have you heard anything about this movie? I have, but I, ha- I haven't watched it yet. It's very good. It has one of the neatest, most subtle, most earned twists in any movie I've ever seen. And the, the like the latter half of the movie, like we'll say the back half, the back half of the movie is so strangely endearing um it's just a fantastic movie and i I can't recommend it enough um and the last movie i watched because today is my second day back from a week-long trip i took to utah um i watched a little film called a wounded fawn oh i wrote a review of that movie what did you think yeah um i liked it a lot but it made me feel like i was on drugs and i didn't like that (laughs) <laughs> yeah it is you know this is uh for those people who don't know this is directed by travis stevens you might know his movies um girl on the third floor and uh jacob's wife um to me this is a giant step forward which isn't meant oh my to, god yeah which isn't meant to totally insult those other movies but i just think this is really good and part of that is josh rubin who uh has been in other scary movies they're just scary movies i haven't seen so i only know him as one of the uh, improv performers on Dropout, but apparently he's also an actor, which I yeah. I mean, not that an improv performer isn't an actor, but when you're making funny noises on the College Humor channel, it's not the same thing as carrying a whole fucking horror movie, but he does, and he's awesome. Like, it's just, there's a lot of unbelievable imagery in it that really sells it as well, but part of that is also his performance, which is suitably fucked up. And I, I don't want to give too much more than that because there are a ton of surprises. Now, I think some people feel that it might be a little too strong of a messagey movie, I guess, but I didn't feel that way at all, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, I watched a movie on my plane ride home on the free, like American Airlines has their free entertainment thing. Sure. I found a movie on there called Crawl Space from this year starring Henry Thomas. 
Is it a remake of Crawl Space? It is not, unfortunately, no. Ah, dang. Um, I don't know if this counts as horror. I'd say this is more of the kind of, like, weird... It takes place in the, in the Pacific Northwest, but it has a kind of like a Southern Gothic feel, maybe like neo-noir. Like, imagine the Coen brothers, but slightly darker. That makes sure. any sense? Yeah. Just about a guy who's like a plumber. He's like the nice guy around town. Um, it's Henry Thomas, obviously. And he is doing, he's cleaning a septic tank for the owner of this, like the local timber mill that like keeps the town afloat. He's in this guy's crawl space. Um, fixing his septic tank when in the house above him these two guys come back with the guy who runs the the, the timber mill and this isn't a spoiler because it's revealed in the first like two minutes of the film um, this owner this timber mill he's like funding like a drug ring and these guys are kind of trying to like horn in on it so this dude had hidden like two million dollars in like cash on, in the crawl space and uh, Henry Thomas's character is like trapped in there with them and it's kind of like a uh, he has to like you know they can't come down there to get it because he's like you know barricaded himself in there but they're like it's two million dollars like we will come down there and we will fucking kill you to get that money like two million dollars absolutely is worth killing someone over and it's just about him like struggling to kind of like deal with them and it takes like a weird like it gets like super violent super quick where you know he's like the nice guy pushed too far and not in like a cheesy way, like, you know, I'm going to post a picture of the fucking Joker with a quote by someone that didn't actually say it on Facebook. It's more just about like, you know, it's about a guy trying to survive. It's literally about a man who's just trying to survive, you know, and he's doing what he has to do. And like I said, it gets really violent really quickly, but in like a really, really good way. Um, I watched a film on uh, Shutter called mandrake wasn't crazy about it but it was still not too bad um and the last thing i did was i got a screening i don't want to talk too much about it because it's still like on press embargo but i figure we can kind of touch upon it um it's a film called the offering okay it's about like um this guy he's like a lapsed acidic jew and he and his wife she's you know they're pregnant and they go back to visit his father and his father, I don't know the term for it, but his father runs a mortuary that is like, I, is the, it's not kosher, but it's, it's sort of like, it's a mortuary that adheres to, okay, sure. to Jewish law, which if you're familiar with, you know, uh, Orthodox Judaism and conservative Judaism, there are certain, um, there are certain like rituals and all that, that have to be adhered to. And it was very scary. It was very upsetting. Um, the acting was fucking next level. And something that I really liked about this movie, and I don't know how to say this without sounding like a bit of an asshole, it was a film that was deeply rooted in Jewish, um, I don't want to say mythology, but like you get what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Like in, in, in Jewish... Um, scripture i guess um but a lot of times when there's when there's horror films that are like that are that are they're about something involving like judaism it's rooted in the tr like the kind of like collective trauma that that jewish people have like endured for the past forever right, um right, right this film was more about like someone losing their connection to who they were 
and struggling to kind of connect his current life with his upbringing and his faith and who, you know, who he was as a person. And there was something that was so well done that, I mean, there is a external supernatural threat. This isn't one of those movies where it's like, Oh, it's there is undoubtedly a very real, very uh, external threat that comes in here, like an actual entity. But it was the backdrop upon which this was acting, that which this story was unfolding. I thought it was interesting because it was it wasn't about uh, Jewish trauma, and it would have been fine if it was. It was more about like, here is a man who has become detached from his past, struggling to reconnect with his past, and meanwhile, there are demons, um, and they're horrifying um i don't know i think i think it's going to be widely released in january um but it's very good uh it's very creepy and um i don't know i just i just i I, enjoy, I enjoyed it quite a bit i'm really glad that sounds yeah. like something i want to watch yeah and get this i didn't even message any of my jewish friends to apologize to them and not even once <laughs> fair fair so we're going to take a quick break and we come back we're going to talk about 1981's uh is this a kiwi movie because it's from new zealand yeah so we're, we're going to talk about a new zealand film that's pretending to be set in illinois <laughs> i mean it literally is it's supposed to be illinois they keep talking about chicago and uh it's definitely new zealand y'all it's it, it, it's it, absolutely Absolutely New Zealand. I think it's most so people great. would know just watching it. It's New Zealand. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this we're going to be talking about 1981's Strange Behavior. Wait, let me do that again. Talking about 1981's Strange Behavior. Also known as Dead Kids. We'll be right back. Here in the peaceful Midwestern town of Galesburg, nothing much ever happens. Morning, Mr. McNally. The kids go to an ordinary college. However, this is an ordinary professor. He's dead. And they help science with a few harmless experiments. Two sessions, two days, a hundred bucks a day. You always welcome the chance for new blood. Ah! You kill little rabbits back there. I tell you, it was different parts of different bodies in different rooms. One nurse, you couldn't find all the parts. Had to make up kind of a composite of bits and pieces missing from all the other bodies. John, do you want me to call Donovan? Do you want me to call the state police? Do you want me to call anybody? Pete, stop the car. Just pull over. I'm gonna find out who did this, I swear to God. With this little pill, the world will be yours for the next few days. I feel a little high. Am I supposed to feel a little high? She's dead. And he's dead. And the dead don't come back and take revenge. Oh, where's Mr. Brady? Get him! They dyed his hair, then they scraped it off. They fed him till he couldn't move, and they starved him. They cut him open twice, once to take out a pancreas, once to take out a lung. They even refrigerated him once. Would you like to order now? 
I'll have the liver, please. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, I'd like to know a little more about what's going on before you start. This is a very, very exciting experiment. What did they do to you up there? What are those needles for? What are you sticking me with? She said it was like she was drowning. We invite you to come with us on a terrifying experiment. Help! Somebody! Help! It started all over again. An experiment with dead kids. But very strange looking people at this party. I'm not wearing any underwear. <laughs> They'll scare the living daylights out of you. Fiona Lewis, Michael Murphy, Louise Fletcher, and Dan Shore. Dead Kids. And we are back to talk about 1981's slasher film, Strange Behavior, also known as Dead Kids. Um, if you guys are interested in what I tried to sing a few minutes ago, you know, before we cut off, that was my take upon the song Stranger Tractors by Beast Milk on the album Climax, which you could find on Spotify. It's a great fucking record. If you like the Alkaline Trio and the Misfits, you'll like that song. You'll like that band. Um, this was a slasher film written and directed by Michael Lachlan, co-written with Bill Condon. Whoa, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, holy shit. Um, you know, this was the first movie this dude wrote. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty fucking dope. Um, and there was a guy in this movie that I recognized that I couldn't quite place who he was. Um, it was Michael Murphy. He was in, um, he's the mayor from Batman Returns. Oh, right. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, I kind of love this movie. Yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah. Not only... Um, <coughs> there is something about a film... And mind you, this was 1981. This was like kind of like ahead of the curve when it comes to like our kids are being like... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, this is a movie Brainwashed. about... Yeah. And this is like kind of like... This was like, you know, 81. Like, this was before the Satanic Panic, wasn't it? It had started, but it, it wasn't as full scale as it would be by the mid 80s. And it was also not in America. Well, well, this is the thing, right? Like, this is set in New Zealand. It feels like, okay, so <clears throat> let's say what this movie is about. Okay. This, this movie begins as if it's a slasher movie and then pretty quickly reveals itself to be a sci fi horror movie about mind control that even has a. A uh, mad scientist that everyone thinks is dead, but is actually secretly alive, and it has a whole backstory. And, and like chickens, yeah, true, true, true. And it has a whole backstory. Like the whole movie, they hint that something happened with his dad in the college, right? So we 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 get a kid. Yep. His dad is the sheriff. Um, murders start in the town, and all you know about his dad, the sheriff, besides the fact that his job is hard. Not because the town has a lot of crime, but because there's like only like two cops in the whole fucking town. Uh, and these the, the series of murders, brutal murders start to happen. And the movie pretty quickly reveals to you who the killers are, which are these 
otherwise seemingly normal teenagers, right? And so very um, weird. Like right off right off within the first like 20 minutes or so. Yeah. So there's no mystery. The mystery is what's why is this happening, right? And why do they seem normal otherwise? <clears throat> so this uh, you know, we see this kid and his dad. He there's a local college, and his dad wants nothing more than for him to not go to college there, even though it's right where they live. It's right in town. It's a college town. This could be set in Bloomington, normal Illinois, or any number of small towns in Illinois that have colleges, right? Uh, Decatur, whatever. And so um, he, uh, he wants to go to this college because he doesn't want to leave the town. He loves the town. And his friend uh, gets paid to do experiments there, which we all know people who've done that. You know, I've done that before. That's a thing that happens, right? So he goes to these experiments and it becomes clear that the people at the college know his dad and they are glad that his dad doesn't know that he's there, you know? Uh, and eventually, you know, a number of things happen here and there, more murders. The big revelation is that they've been testing out various mind control drugs at the college and uh, programming these kids to go murder people. And the kids don't remember that they did it. And the whole thing is being done by this guy that everyone thought was dead. Who's like secretly alive. He's been, acting as the assistant in the, in the class. And, um, and that these people are responsible for the kid's mom's death. Right. Yep. Uh, and there's even more surprises than that, that I don't know if we need to reveal or not. I guess I just want to ask, like, did you feel like the ultimate sort of twist at the end? Did that work for you? Um, or did you think it was too much of a corny zinger? You mean the whole thing with who he ends up killing? Based upon his instructions. Yeah, you mean like the uh, the the the, the we'll parentage just, and all we'll that. We'll just spoil it. This is an old. This is an old fucking movie. He's commanded to kill his father, and instead he kills the scientist. And then he says, "You are my father," which you could see is just random. Yeah, it turns out, yeah. But it's that's his dad. Basically, the part of the reason all this is going down is that his, the 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 scientist was you know fucking his mom anyway, you know, and he's actually the, the his dad. Which is great. I fucking it's it 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 might feel detached from the moment, very uh, soap opera, but in the moment I was like, yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is like there were so many like weird little twists and turns that by the end I was just like, yeah. Normally I might have found that corny, right? But I was right. like, oh no, okay, that that I'm I'm here. I'm here for that. Well, because what the movie does right in 1981 too. This is early to be doing this. It kind of messes with slashers right there are very slasher moments here but a lot of times the slasher part of the fear is being stalked by the slasher only in every killing it's kind of a different kid so there's not really that sense of being stalked and what's more the ultimate evil is none of these kids and their butcher knives it's the it's the the very rational very evil professors at this college right um, yeah it's it, i mean it's sort of like this is a movie about like the right wing's worst fears in which like yes. liberal professors are, you know, corrupting, you know, young people into being like actual murderers. Um, but what you were saying about this, the slasher is like, it, it's, it, it's interesting how this movie, like it kind of sets up like <sighs> there's like the masked killer, which is a trope or like a, a tra- like a, not a trademark, a, uh, Gimmick. It's the hallmark of any good slasher. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah, a gimmick. Yeah, yeah. But they do away with it right away. Yes. Like, it immediately, like, the kid is wearing a mask, kills someone, 
takes the mask off. Oh shit, that's the guy we just saw. And then you're like expecting there to be like this weird, um, you know, is he so-and-so's like uh, brother or whatever? And it's like, this kid has almost no connection to any greater, um, he's not the guy's brother. He's not the guy's like long lost, whatever. It's just, it's neat that they took the, the, the slasher trope of like people having connections to the past in some yeah, like yeah. tragic way. And they removed the actual killers from that entirely. Yeah. All the backstory, all the larger world building is under the surface. You might not even notice like the, the, if you're not paying attention to this movie, you won't notice how important it is to hit this, the, the main character's father's relationship to the college. That's what the movie's about. The whole crux yeah. of everything that's happening is what happened to his mom. But because it's been hidden from him for so long, the movie hides it from you as well. The other part of this movie that I think is really interesting, I think it's true of both these movies actually, but I, let's, but with this movie particularly, um, it looks fucking amazing. And, and this is something I'm realizing about a number of, well, what's funny is the other, I talked about how the other movie I found that I had not heard of was Australian, right? And then um, uh, uh, there was something else I watched, too, that was, I think, from New Zealand. Anyways, sometimes Australian and New Zealand films will be doing stuff that is very much like horror, right? This is a horror movie. It's very much got horror tropes, whatever. But some of the filming style, it's a lot more, I don't know, uh, relaxed at times there's a lot more like setting up shots to like look pretty you know what i mean yeah. like it's th there's something about the filmmaking quality it's like a, a friend was saying how you know he loves watching exploitation films from japan because even the exploitation films of japan whoever shot it thought they were an artist right like they're like in america you sometimes get these b movies where no one cares about the art they're just trying to make money and 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 that's fine. Like, I kind of love those movies, but it's less like um, aesthetically pleasing at times. Sometimes you're wading through like poorly edited, poorly shot stuff because it's fun. Um, in some other places, you don't get that. And I think with this movie, this New Zealand movie pretending to be Illinois, um, whoever shot this thing, it, you know, not that it's perfect. They definitely didn't have a huge budget, but a lot of what's going on here is uh, aesthetic choices and storytelling. And there's not, there's a couple of gory scenes, but for the most part, this movie isn't re relying on violence. There's a lot of violence that you don't even see in the movie, really. It's yep. relying more on the psychological tension, the sense of dread, and the fact that they know the movie is very sure that whatever they're going to do, you're not going to see it fucking coming. And for the most part, that's true. A lot of times stuff happened. I went, Oh fuck. Okay. I didn't think that's what it was going to be, but sure. Let's do that. You know? And I really love that about the movie. Yeah. There's also like a lot of, um, what's the, there's the one part where, um, dude's dad, they go to the cemetery to dig up this guy's fucking grave. Cause this guy's sure. convinced that this fucking professor's not dead. Right. And like <coughs> they open his grave and all they had to do was show an empty casket. Yes. All they had to do. What do we get instead? His fucking skeleton legs are in there. I saw that and like had to pause the movie to be like, what? Like, 
Why are the legs in there? Why? What the fuck? What purpose is? I mean, I'm glad they did it because it definitely got a reaction out of me. But there was just something that was so. That's a choice. Right. To have skeleton legs in your movie. Yeah. Uh, instead of just like, I don't know. Like, I, I think it was like they, again, they very easily could have just, it's an empty casket. Oh my God, he's alive. Instead, it was like, oh no, no, his legs are in there. Like, I don't know why that, that got to me so much. Um, but I just thought that was a neat, a neat subversion, not subversion. Um, it was an interesting choice that they didn't have to make, but they did. And I'm glad they did because it was far more, uh, it, it stuck with me more than it would have just been if it was an empty casket. Yeah. If it just been an empty casket, like, okay, cool. He's alive. But the fact that there were legs in there was just, just like, that was weird. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's a. You know, I wouldn't say this is the scariest movie I've ever seen, but there are some no. super effective moments in it that I think really work. When the when the babysitter comes and the kid is dead, that's kind of standard horror movie stuff. When she goes back and the girl is absentmindedly trying to cut off the kid's other hand. Yep. Nightmare shit. And then even the mo- there's even a moment where she grabs the phone and she knows she's going to die. And all she wants to do is describe the person who's about to kill her. Yep. So that they'll be able to find her. Fucking effective. You know, it's, yeah. it's, there's a lot of that. While the movie manages to have, like the way it ends, y'all, I love it, but it's almost like a serial or something. It's like a, it's like so over the top, the big reveal that the professor's still alive. But so much of the movie has been effective and kind of disorienting in a way that when it gets to this, ending that maybe people would find over the top it all worked for me and then they have the fucking gall to go to a denouement wedding where you know remember these kids were brainwashed the the police guy figures out that the college is to blame he goes straight to the college so like these murder kids are at the wedding you know like there's no consequences for the murder kids you know and there's something about that like i wonder if that was the point at which i thought does the director know that this ending is both comforting and horrific at the same time? There's something surreal about all the murder kids. I mean, I don't know if it's all, but some of the murder kids just hanging out at the wedding. Like, yeah, we've moved on with our lives and now the sheriff's getting married. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of touches upon like the unreality of horror films that have happy endings. Yes. Um, it's like what people don't understand is that like in horror, there is no real happy ending. No. Um, you know, I, I, you know, for on Halloween night, my grandfather and I watched Dog Soldiers, which I've yelled about to no end how much I love that movie. And one of the most, one of the things I love most about that is there's a almost throwaway line about how the one character says to the, you know, the other character, even if you make it out of this, even if the unlikely chance we survive, the werewolves trying to kill us, we are never going to be okay because no. now. We know what's out there and we're, we're fucked. And that's the thing about this movie is like that kind of like, it was nice that this kid was like, yeah, that he's not really my dad, but he's, he's my father. Like he's the guy who raised me. He loves me, whatever. That's nice. That's very, whatever. But your friends have killed people and you have killed people. And that just shit just doesn't go away. That shit is in you now and you have to fucking deal with it. And you know, I just felt that the, 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 the wedding was a touch 
in the face of like what these kids had gone through, I was like, yeah, they wouldn't be doing that though. Cause even though technically they're not guilty, they're still fucked in the head. And I say that not in like, Oh man, he's so fucked up. And I mean, they are like, they're fucked. I mean, I do, I do wonder though, like, because this is a New Zealand film and at times it all feels like a caricature of what people in New Zealand seem to think America is like, it's almost in its performance of being in America is how I was immediately like, where is this film made? This is not made in America, right? Like there's just something about it that way. I wonder if the ending is also a commentary on what we seem like, right? Like what, what America is. I mean, even the, there was something sort of subtle going on with these fucking, so these detectives come down, you know, cause we're in a town that has like two cops and the whole vibe of the police station is this, these are Keystone cops. Even the like, the mayor is like a clerk at the supermarket. You know what I mean? Like the, the whole thing, there's yeah. a whole weird vibe to what this town is. And then these detectives come down and they are hard boiled and world weary and utterly useless. They have nothing to offer, but they're from the big city. And all of it felt like maybe not a commentary on America in reality, but is this a, is this not just a movie pretending to be American? Is this a commentary on American movies? And I kind of think it might be. I, I, I think it, I would need a much more careful watch to sort of di- di- dissect that. But I'd love if other people have seen this film, what you think about that. Because I, I do think there's something going on where this, 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 these folks are thinking about like what American movies are like and what American horror movies specifically are like and kind of poking at them a little bit, I think. I can fuck with that, yeah. Um, I mean, I did find it kind of unrealistic that there was a couple making out to the, the boys next door. <laughs> who, who are you, me? <coughs> right, right, right. I mean, that whole thing is kind of, that's one of the, the more uncomfortable parts of the movie because that girl is too young to be making out with that large fat man. And oh God, uh, that was, it was, it was gross. It was gross. Yeah. That part was gross. Yeah. But I mean, also it led to one of the more effective moments, right? When she is getting away from the killer and she's in the backyard, like in the pool, trying not to drown. Yeah. And the people that was upsetting and people just don't notice. Right. Yep. I, I love that in horror movies. The idea that there's a crowd right over there, but no one sees you is just an effective visceral thing that I think people feel. You know what I mean? That the, the being anonymous. Right. If only these people could see me, then I'd be saved. But oh, no, they can't hear me. You know, like something about that fucks with me a little bit. Anyways, yeah, I this, feel that. this this movie's great. I don't I don't I'm I'm. Reading a little bit into it just because it's there's a little bit more artistry and aesthetics to this movie than other similar slasher movies. But, you know, I might be reading too far into it either way. No, I mean, it was really it was really well done. And I was super entertained by it. I just enjoy the legwork they put into it. You know, right. like, yes, I yes. always I always I always like when when there's these. These horror films that they go the extra mile. You know, they came out at a time when they didn't have to do all this to turn a profit. Right. They very, 100%. Have, they very easily could have just churned out like another cookie cutter movie about like, oh, this whatever. And the, they, the, you know, the filmmakers really put in a, like a lot of legwork to make this like, I mean, this isn't like groundbreaking cinema, but there's something more there that a lot of slashers didn't have. And, you know, I, I that that spoke to me like I, I felt that and I, I'm glad that they did what they did because. You know, it made for a much more enjoyable, enjoyable, um, you know, experience in in consuming the film. Yeah. So 
that unfortunately this movie was supposed to be, I mean, there's a sequel, uh, strange invaders, but it, it's apparently not nearly as good. Well, yeah, this guy only directed three films and, uh, <clears throat> um, I haven't heard of the other two anymore than I heard of this one. So I don't know. I, I think this one's really great. It's sad that he wasn't able to make more that were like this, but, uh, I, I, I really recommend it, especially if you do have the criterion channel, I don't know if it's available anywhere else. I, I feel like it's not, but if you can watch it, I, I think you should. Yeah, agreed. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the 1985 Hugo Stieglitz vehicle, uh, Cemetery of Terror, a.k.a. Cemeterio del Terror. Not nearly as cool as I thought it would be. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. are back to talk about 1985's Mexican slasher film Cemetery of Terror starring the one true Hugo Stieglitz. Yeah. I don't, why do I say I, is, his name is fucking Hugo Stieglitz. I don't have to make it. I, I'm 99% fucking Euro trash. I don't need to add a twist on there to his fucking name. I mean, he is an interesting character because, you know, he starred in so many Mexican films, right? Yeah. Is he Mexican? I don't, I mean, I don't, well, Stieglitz is not a Mexican name, but I don't know if it's that weird, like. Right. Well, no, I'm sorry. His full name is Hugo Stieglitz Lopez. Um, Right. So that's what I'm saying. I think he is Mexican, 
but um, I don't think there's just something about him that feels, I mean, he's a white man, right? So that's part of it. But I think his whole vibe feels so Euro to me. Like I've seen him in more Euro trash movies. Maybe that's because I'm not as familiar with Mexican cinema as I should be, but I've seen him in so many Euro trash movies. I just think of him as so like, I don't know, German, Austrian, just some fucking middle of Europe. It's probably one of those things where he's like the son of immigrants. And because it's Mexico and not, gee, I don't know, Argentini. It's a German, German sounding name in Argentina. Argentina. That would make me nervous for some reason. I don't know why. Do you know why? (laughs) Yeah, some reason. Some reason. For some reason. To be fair, Night of a Thousand Cats and Tintantera, I should have known were Mexican films, and I didn't. So guess what? I have seen a number of his Mexican films. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's he's fucking fantastic. We've done a number of films that he's I been in. I love him. I love. He's my second he, favorite uh, leading man, right after Oliver Reed. Oh, high praise that is from Liam O'Donnell. Yeah. Um. So this movie, uh, <coughs> it was um to me, and what I'm about to say is going to sound like I didn't like it. This movie was to me a mess in the best possible way. Sure. Because. It almost felt like it didn't know what it wanted to be, and it felt like a mishmash of other movies. But goddamn, the fucking when we get to the actual the actual cemetery of terror, where they're in a cemetery and it's full of terror, that was like thriller, but not funny. Right, and not fun. Sure, yeah, and no dancing, and it it was upsetting as fuck. Well, I mean, the whole thing is uh, we should say a supernatural slasher, right? Like it functions like a slasher movie. There's a whole section of it that just everything is very slasher. But this is a, this is a dead man. And his final kill makes it clear he's got he's got magic powers. Right. And eventually it turns. I mean, if you want to be cynical about this movie, you could name the American films that uh, Ru- Ruben Galindo had on his mind when he was making. This I movie. absolutely was like I, I was. That is exactly what I was thinking while I was watching this. I was like. Yeah. Oh, this is the scene. This is the Halloween scene. This is the fucking, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street scene. This is the, um, uh, I mean, was did Child's Play come out before this? No, 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 no. But you know, just like various slashers, even like, uh, transitioning to like the, uh, uh, you know, zombie film. I mean, it basically becomes yeah. a zombie film. Um, but even some of the stuff with the kids, like there are multiple moments that might have echoes for you of other horror movies such that this begins to feel like something. If you've watched enough foreign horror, you'll be familiar with the idea that there are movies that borrow liberally from other films, whether that's European horror movies that were marketed as sequels to movies that they were not sequels to. We're not going to name names. We're not going to name names. I will. La Casa, right? (laughs) There's a a whole series of movies that are supposed to be evil dead sequels. He went there. None of them are Evil Dead sequels. Even the people who made them didn't think they were Evil Dead sequels, but that's what they were marketed as, right? Because, you know, copyright, who gives a fuck? But if you want to write off this uh, Ruben Galindo movie as that, as just a ripoff movie, you're going to fucking miss it. Because here's what I have to say about this movie. Just like Tell the last, us. Drop just, it on us. Just like the last movie. I love the way this movie looks, right? Yeah. The the It somehow manages to be vibrant and grainy at the same time. Yep. Um. The camera moves in subtle ways that like I, I, I only noticed 
today because I was trying to, we, we watched these movies a while ago to record and then I wanted to familiarize myself with it. So there are a couple of parts where I fast forwarded a little bit and in fast forwarding a little bit, I noticed the camera was moving more than I realized. It mm. subtly shifts mm. in a scene sometimes. Uh, there's framing that is far beyond what you expect in a horror movie. Um, there's an atmospheric yes sort of take to some of these shots that really establish stuff, especially the, the zombie attacks are way more. I mean, you brought up thriller, right? In the sense that they have that weird atmosphere part of like the buildup of thriller. That's very true. It's like, yeah. And, and yet it makes it, instead of just making it atmospheric, they then grab these kids at times and it's fucking frightening. Right. And what's more with this movie, I, I just found myself thinking, Justin, a lot of times with horror, people are stoked on horror because of narrative things. This is this is more fucked up than the other movie, or I like this this twist on this idea, or I like how scary this is compared to something else, right? Or uh, or it's special effects, right? Like people are stoked on a, a horror movie because it does something interesting with blood or gore or whatever, whatever. Not enough people talk about, hey, you know what makes this horror movie work? Uh, the cinematography and the editing. And yeah. to me, more than the script, certainly more than the acting, because outside of Hugo Stiglitz, there are some shitty actors in this movie, just people who are not really great at what they're doing. It doesn't matter. The movie works for me, not only because it's a fun idea and it's a fun mishmash of other stuff, but the camera work is so fucking effective. And it's a rare horror movie where you can say like, so there's an initial scene, Hugo Stiglitz is dreaming. And he wakes up uh, and basically he's seeing what's happening, which is that his patient who is evil and in league with Satan has escaped and is murdering uh, or or on a sort of a murder spree. And that whole scene is really effective and very well done kind of slasher stuff. Then it's like almost 40 minutes till anything happens. That's spooky, right? Yep. Almost 45 minutes. And normally in a horror movie, you'd be like, Come on, get it to fucking together, man. Like, what's happening? But it doesn't feel that way at all. I'm like totally like paying attention to what's happening with these characters. I don't love the acting, but I'm still sort of sucked in. And a lot of that is the atmosphere and the fucking really well done cinematography of this movie. And then once our man comes back to life, our scary giant man, it's fucking effective. And it it literally just switches gears. Like, here's an effective slasher movie. Oops. Now it's an effective fucking uh, zombie movie. Oops, now we got to burn an evil book to get rid of the spooky devil man. And Hugo Stieglitz is going to have a fucking fist fight with a magical dead man. So awesome. And it's, it's... And what's crazy is it's believable. It's Hugo Stieglitz in that scene to me, and people might say the whole thing's over the top. I don't feel that way. I feel Hugo Stieglitz is like, how do I show that this man is supernaturally strong but I'm also badass, right? Like he's going to kick my ass, but I'm going to still look pretty fucking tough. And he pulls it off, man. The whole time you're thinking, if you weren't magic, Hugo Hugo Stiglitz would kick your fucking ass, man. But you are an undead creature of Satan. So he is getting beat up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I I like that this film, you know, again, like we said with the last one, like, um, like this movie has like, three kind of like converging plot lines yeah you know you got hugo stieglitz trying to convince people that this fucking dude is coming back from the dead you got the little kids and then you got the like dickhead young adults oh man you could have literally picked any one of those and made um a competent horror film sure 
You but, those, but those kids are so much more compelling. When when the movie goes, all right, fuck these teenagers. Let's see what the kids are doing. Yo. I was like so smart because I'm done with the. Well, I mean, we were done because they're all dead. But when the movie kills all the teenagers, I wasn't like, oh, what are we going to do now? I was like, all right, let's see where we're going with this. What's what's happening now, buddies? Those those kids for child actors speaking in a language that I could barely grasp. Um, when shit is popping off, yes. the way they were acting was like f- fully activating my dad panic. They felt fuck. They seemed like they were actually terrified, especially, oh God, especially so- towards the end. Like they're yep. in a house, there's zombies everywhere. They're like trying to fight these zombies and throw this book in the fire. And spooky devil man is there. I literally was like, they're going to murder one of these kids. Like, yeah, dude, I was like, they're going to, they're going to kill one of these kids and it's going to be too fucking much. I'm going to like, not because they like if early on when we first meet the kids and the, we haven't spent much time with the kids and one of those kids eats it. I don't fucking care. It's like, it's yeah. like the kid who eats in an alligator, you know, like I don't love it, but it's fine. You know, let's move on. But we spend so much time with these kids that by the time they're in the most danger, I'm like, you leave those fucking kids alone, man. Yeah. You leave them a fucking alone. I had as much of a fucking internal twinge at the, at the sound of those kids in terror as I do when Alex Kittner dies in Jaws. Yes, like, 100%. It was that much of a fucking like, oh, no, get the fuck. Stop, stop it. Like, I don't know. It was it was just. And again, they didn't have to. They did not have to. They did not have to bring it like that in this movie. They did not have to have something like that in this film like especially with like two other two other narrative um narrative i guess trails or whatever that this film was weaving we didn't have to have one of the narratives being pushed forward by these ch- child actors that were bringing their fucking a game to this movie um it could have easily wrestled on the laurels of the other two plot lines and just been like a mediocre like ah oh, kids they're in peril whatever but the fact that they did that really, I think, pushed this film into um, like above and beyond what it what it uh, what it ought to have been, I guess. Because one of the things about this movie that I really appreciate it is like in my head, I have an I have an idea of a movie that is like European zombie movies. That is just like the archetypical European zombie movie. And this movie was it. This movie is like when I think of like European zombie films now, I'm probably going to be thinking of this movie because it represented everything about like a great zombie film. And then like, I don't know. It, it, it just felt so like, like the platonic version, the platonic perfect form of a European zombie film is cemetery of terror for me now. Well, I mean, it's uh, other than the fact that it's Mexican, I agree, but God, well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It, but it's, it's, but it, but if I think maybe just because it has our, our boy Hugo in it, but it felt, and you know, and there's they're this is gonna make me sound like an asshole. They're not fucking speaking English, so it felt European. Sure, to me. yeah, no, I understand. Here's here's the thing I will say, right? Um, I don't want to lift this up so hard that people miss the fact, and this is gonna be a bummer for some people and a selling point for others. This is a fucking B movie, like a a, a Mexican made B movie. That is was possibly seen by some of the people who paid for it as a money grab. You know, yeah. horror is popular in the states. Let's do our own horror. And they put this guy, Ruben Galindo Jr. Now, this is the second Ruben Galindo Jr. movie we've covered. He also directed Don't Panic, which we were a little split on, but I think also had really strong imagery, right? Yep. And he directed a few movies, 
but he has three horror movies that are kind of considered very classic. Don't Panic, Cemetery of Terror, and uh, Grave Robbers. I still haven't watched Grave Robbers. I haven't. I was going to say, I don't think I've seen Grave Robbers. I have the Blu-ray. I own it. I will watch it now because I love Don't Panic. And I fucking love this movie even more than Don't Panic. I think as a full narrative, I actually think Don't Panic is a little more effective than this movie like on the page. But for a movie that feels like it's borrowing, like a movie that's borrowing this generously from other popular horror movies has no right to be this well done. It's just super effective and fun to watch. and. I don't know. Like you said, the the whole last sort of denouement of the movie is some of the most effective zombie stuff I've ever seen. Like it's not Romero, but when it comes to like, like you said, a sort of like a, a, a second, you know, second grade. And I don't want to say second grade, like a B class Euro zombie stuff way better than some other stuff we've seen. You know, I, it's, there's just something about it that really works for me. Um, I guess it's not a horror movie. I would consider like, high art necessarily but that maybe is why how effective it is is so surprising right because i'd put up with a movie that was this fun but way more amateurly shot in a second i put up with a ton that i love that like they're great movies but i know that the people who shot them were just barely had their shit together right or or didn't care one or the other whoever you know the, the the director and the cinematographer let alone set decoration art you know man it, the people who made this movie i don't believe they didn't care because it looks really it, it's just a really well done movie with it uh, quite honestly ridiculous plot that ends by the way in one of the most unjustified but totally awesome stingers i've seen well, in a long time okay thank you thank you i was gonna say that that stinger i saw it and i was just like fuck yeah I don't. That doesn't. It doesn't no, make a fucking. It doesn't make it doesn't a lick, make a lick of, sense. of sense. But yeah, let's. Fucking it's literally. Do it's it. it's literally like you know. Hugo Stieglitz has got to be the hero of this whole fucking movie. He's got to be a sympathetic therapist hero, who's by the way way too well dressed for a sympathetic therapist. No therapist. Yeah. In 1985, is that fashionable? And then he gets to have one second of a villain turn in the last shot that he fucking so eats. I've never seen anyone eat a freeze frame i've never seen anyone fucking so eat the scenery in a freeze frame shot before but he does it and it's un- i want a poster just of that look he has in that last freeze oh, frame i immediately i immediately was like oh i'm making some kind of meme about this i got to because it's such a fucking it's so ridiculous it's just like oh my god i mean i don't know i mean i, I would say it's like I would say it's 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 unwarranted. Some would say unnecessary, but I put to you, there's never been a more necessary stinger than that. It doesn't make like we keep saying it doesn't make any sense. No, they don't hint towards it in any fucking way at all ever the entire movie. But God, God damn, I'm so happy they did it. One hundred percent. It's it's great. So again, I don't I don't want to hype this up too much. I want to be clear that I just part of this might have been lowered expectations. So if I had realized he did don't panic, I think I would have been more excited. I picked it because I knew it was on Halloween and we were doing spooky movie month. And I thought, Hey, we haven't done anything that's specifically Halloween. I'm going to pick a Halloween movie. That was it. That was my whole motivation, man. I'm so glad that I just happened to pick this because I, I, I think it's really great. And I'm, I, it's on my list now of like, 
I need something that is effective, that's a crowd pleaser, but also is kind of smart, kind of smarter than it deserves to be. That's yeah. what this movie is. It's Absolutely. it's awesome, and uh, I think people should see it. Yeah. So that's Cemetery Terror, and thus our episode. We're back. We're back. COVID didn't kill me. Liam's unspecified bronchial uh, yeah, illness exactly. hasn't killed him yet. But if it does, guys, we got it. I'll bring him back from the dead. Yeah. And I, and I promise not to kill too many teenagers if you do. Yeah. and But he will look at the camera and go. <laughs> All right. So that was the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, make sure you, uh, you can head to cinepunks.com for more episodes of this podcast and many others. Be sure to check out patreon.com backslash cinepunks to find out how you, yes, you, can become a patron to help us, you know, spread the word. Uh, also, be sure to check out our sponsors, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, Essex Coffee Roasters, and Mechanical Shark Media at www.xlvacx.com, essexcoffeeroasters.com, and mechanicalsharkmedia.com. Um, and until next time, uh, fuck that guy who sued the Biden administration for not getting enough in student loans. I hope his fucking dick falls off. Yeah, I agree. All right, peace. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!